It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Locked on Vikings. I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. Now, coming up, I have Crossover Wednesday. We're going to do the whole show with Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks. We'll get to know the Seahawks a little bit. But first, some news real quick. Uh, unfortunately, the only injury news we're going to get this week uh, on this show, because of the Monday night game, everything has shifted back a week, so I'm going to be done posting podcasts by the time we actually learn anything. But they did have a walkthrough on Tuesday, a very light practice, and basically all of the veterans and everybody who's been hurt sat out. Uh, Thielen, Joseph, all the guys that have missed time recently, as well as like Dalvin Cook and some people who appear to be completely healthy, but are probably just given some some veteran rest on a weird Monday week. That's not really a reason for alarm, especially with Adam Thielen, because of a roster move that was made uh, earlier on Tuesday. Josh Doxson was waived. Cam Smith was promoted to the active 53-man roster, and they also added Johnny Stanton, hashtag old friend. Uh, He tried out for the Vikings in 2018 to the uh, practice squad. So the Vikings will be rolling with uh, just four wide receivers. That's a situation they've kind of been in before. They've been in up and down throughout the entire season. And when they have had five receivers, the fifth guy has been Davion Davis, who doesn't get a lot of snaps anyways. So functionally, they've really been rolling with four receivers all season. It's been kind of an odd move, but, you know, we've seen the usage of uh, Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph, and it all kind of adds up when you think about it that way. So the Josh Doxson experiment is uh, over, at least for now. Of course, he might come back when the Vikings have an opponent they feel like they need an extra wide receiver against. It's kind of how they operate. Okay, I'm here with Corbin Smith of Locked on Seahawks. Corbin, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Let's start breaking it down here, Luke. The Seahawks offense versus the Vikings defense. I look at Minnesota, and I've always feared them, especially under Mike Zimmer with him as coach. But one thing that has always jumped out to me is their ability to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And when I look at some of the numbers, overall, their pass rushing stats maybe aren't quite as good as a team as they've been in past seasons overall. But this is still a very dangerous front with Daniil Hunter and Everson Griffin rushing off the edge, eight and seven sacks respectively between those guys. So they still are outstanding edge rushers that can put pressure on the quarterback. And I look at this game and this front line for the Seahawks How do you think that this Vikings defensive line matches up with Seattle's offensive line that has been kind of middle of the road this season? So I guess, Mike, I would have to flip that question back into like exactly where your offensive line is and isn't good, right? Because the the Vikings pressure has come almost entirely off of the edge with uh, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter. I mean, think about what your perception of like Jadeveon Clowney's season is, right? He's having a monster year. He has, I want to say, 44 pressures on the year per uh, pro football focus. Daniel Hunter has 78. It's just he's been monstrous. He's been disruptive every season. And Everson Griffin is second in the league in pressures behind him. So those edge rushers have been hugely disruptive. 
but they've had a little bit of trouble getting home, mostly because there's been no interior push. Of course, last year the Vikings had uh, Sheldon Richardson, and this year they've replaced him with Shamar Stefan, who you guys are also familiar with. And it's made their run defense, it, it has paid off in run defense, but uh, I think they're like fifth in DVOA against the run. Uh, but they're like 14th against the pass, and a lot of it is because quarterbacks can just step up into the pocket. There's no interior push, and they've got all the room in the world to just make uh, Griffin and Hunter's pressure go up uh, over the top of them. So that's kind of been the issue. It cheapens the pressure, but that said, Hunter gets a sack just about every game. He's all over the quarterbacks all the time. It is a situation where you have to have those hot reads, and you have to have uh, you know, some kind of outlet you have, or or if you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, you have to find ways and plans for him to escape that pocket because of the way that Zimmer constructs his pass rushes that are very like spatially aware. You have to find the passing lane and get out of it. And Wilson's been pretty good, pretty good about that. Uh, but that is kind of the challenge that is presented here. It's a unique one and one that could be a lot better if they could get anywhere on the interior, get any penetration. Really interesting talking about there being the outside pressure being among the best in the league. Obviously, those two guys racking up a ton of pressures, Hunter and Griffin, and not being able to do much in the interior because when I look at the Seahawks offensive line right now, they're missing Justin Britt, their starting center. He's out for the year with a torn ACL. They've got Joey Hunt in there, and and I feel like Hunt has done a respectable job since coming into the lineup, uh, but he's had some struggles in pass pro, especially against stronger, powerful defensive tackles that can bull rush their way into the backfield and if the Vikings don't have somebody that can do that that means they're not going to be able to exploit potentially a matchup that could be advantageous for them I think Dwayne Brown at left tackle has really turned things around he was battling a bunch of injuries early in the year he missed a couple games uh, but he's still not 100 percent but he's, he's playing much better and when he's near 100 percent still one of the best left tackles in football so I think Seahawks fans should be comfortable with him being able to protect. That does not mean that Hunter or Griffin isn't going to beat him occasionally because those guys are studs. They're going to, but they have to like that matchup. And then Jermaine Effetti, he's been ridiculed by Seahawks fans throughout his four seasons with the team, but I would argue he has been the most consistent offensive lineman in a good way for the Seahawks this year. I thought he had an excellent game against Miles Garrett. Pro Football Focus is going to tell you otherwise, but I'm telling you from watching game film that I think Afedi gets a raw deal. I think he has done a much better job in pass pro this year. Just watch the game against the Cleveland Browns. Miles Garrett, his former teammate at Texas A&M, he had some really good snaps against him in that game. And there's been a few other games against good rushers. I thought he played decent against the Ravens front when they played Baltimore. Lost that game, but I thought he did a nice job. So while he's obviously not an elite tackle, probably not even a great one, he has shown improvements the last two years under Mike Solari. So I'm curious to see how those tackles hold up because certainly they're facing two of the best edge rushers in football in Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin. But the fact that they don't have the interior push rushing the quarterback, if they're allowing Russell Wilson to step out of the pocket, that's something he has gotten better at this year than any year previously. And I think that's been one of the big difference makers for why his production has taken another step further. And he has been in the MVP race this year throwing a bunch of touchdowns, only a couple interceptions. Uh, he's just much more aware in the pocket. So if he's able to step up, he can do things there. So that could be something that the Vikings have to worry about. I look at Minnesota's secondary swing into another part of the defense. A lot of star power back there with Harrison Smith and company. Minnesota just doesn't miss tackles very much. According to pro football reference, they're at the bottom of the league in missed tackles. They're second best in yards after the catch. 
So they're near the top of the league in a bunch of good categories. If there's any one weakness in this group, however, and, and I'm going to have you elaborate on this, they have given up eight pass plays at, of 40 yards or more. And mm-hmm. that is among the worst in the league. They also rank fourth worst in air yards. And the Seahawks are one of the best offenses when it comes to air yards. So this is kind of one of those something's got to give situation. Hey guys, back with Corbin in just a second. But first, let me talk to you about the sponsor for today's episode, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same active ingredients as like Viagra and Cialis, so you know what we're getting into here. But it's a chewable, which means it kicks in twice as fast. So when the moment's right, that's that much less waiting around. Blue Chew is made right here in the United States, and it ships directly to your door. So you can skip the pharmacy, you can skip the waiting, and you can skip the awkwardness. It ships in a nice, discreet package. And hey, it's not just for like men of a certain age who can't perform the way that they used to in their prime. This is for anybody from 50 to 25. This is for anybody looking to engage in a little bit of self-improvement and who can say no to that. So head on over to bluechew.com. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com right now. And if you enter promo code locked on when you get there, you can try it for free. That's bluechew.com promo code locked on. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right, yeah. So a lot of that's coming from the last few weeks. Earlier in the season, uh, teams were actually pretty shy about throwing deep against the Vikings. And that's part of that is because the Vikings run quarters which means, you know, that's four deep defenders. You're dissuading the deep pass quite a bit, not to mention all that pressure coming off the edge. So quarterbacks, especially younger quarterbacks, are feeling it, and they want to get rid of the ball really quickly. So uh, earlier in the season, you know, like the the Eagles and even um, like the Giants and and even like the Bears, they didn't want to throw deep against the Vikings. Um, the, The Lions tried it. They had okay results. And then over the last couple of games, they kind of uh, teams kind of found something. Washington found uh, a hole in the coverage where they could get a bunch of hitches and they actually got some production there. The Cowboys really exploited that. The Chiefs obviously are the Chiefs, so they kind of just played their game. They won a bunch of contested catches. And actually the last game that they played against the Broncos, uh, that's really all the Broncos had. They kind of knew that they were outmatched because they had like Brandon Allen and nobody. So they just kind of hucked up a bunch of deep passes and hoped for the best. And I believe two of those 40-yard plays came in that game uh, where they just hucked up a deep pass and won a contested catch, kind of one of those 50-50 balls. Corner plays it right, and you just miss the ball by an inch. It kind of happens. Um, but that was kind of... So, like, as the season has gone on, they've, like, trended more and more and more toward throwing deep against the Vikings. So I'm actually really curious to see. I don't know what kind of defensive coverage shells you're going to see in this one, because I honestly think Zimmer's going to go into the bye and change everything and, like, make you throw out a whole bunch of that deep tape, because, you know, the last few games have turned into really useful tape against the Vikings. So I, I think that you're going to see some changes. They might go back to like a cover three shell, go back to like kind of what the Cowboys are doing, uh, what the Vikings were doing at the early part of last year before they got torched by the Rams and they had to change to this quarters defense. Uh, maybe they even go further into like some kind of uh, cover two Tampa two thing, which is, I believe what the bills are still running. They're having great success there with uh, old friend, Le- Leslie Frazier. 
So I, I don't know what we're going to see there. Um, the other thing is that the corners have been having kind of a rough year, especially Xavier Rhodes. A lot of it is because of that contested catch. He was actually asked in the locker room on Tuesday, hey, you know, what, what can you do about this? And he says, we're not finishing. We're in the right spot. We're not finishing. We got to finish. And Mike Zemmers e- echoed the same thing. So it's all about contested catches, really. And I'm pretty sure Tyler Lockett's really good at that. Uh, I, I don't know much about DK Metcalf, but it's not the classic DK Metcalf route that we've been seeing all year where he gets behind everybody and it's a breakaway touchdown. It's huck the ball up 50 yards in the air, one-on-one, go get the ball, and the Vikings are losing in those situations. Yeah, and Metcalf has struggled a little bit in that regard recently, although I'm going to come to his defense for the game against the Eagles on Sunday. That wind was nuts on the field, and I think a couple of them that were deemed drops. He was trying to compensate for the wind picking up the football. That's so much harder than what casual fans understand. And uh, you could see some throws get away from Russell Wilson that normally wouldn't. And so the elements certainly played into that. But I, I look back at the fact that the Redskins and the Broncos, given the quarterback situations that they have, their ability to to get some explosive plays downfield. I would think that as long as, you know, this, if the Vikings come in and they've completely overhauled everything, then obviously that changes stuff. I would not expect in one bye week they're just going to completely change everything they're doing. But there's going to be adjustments. Every team makes them. But I would anticipate that the Seahawks are going to be looking to hit on a couple of those because they've got a much better quarterback than those last couple teams that face the Vikings do. And, and honestly, a receiving core that is pretty under. And and I still think Josh Gordon at some point here is going to be an impact player for them. He was open a couple times. times. Yeah, he on Sunday against the Eagles, he had a couple opportunities where he was open and one of them, he drew a a pass interference penalty because he was getting held and then on another play, Russell Wilson looked towards his way, but I think because of the wind, he decided not to take that shot downfield, but he was open. And so I have a feeling at some point he's going to get an opportunity to take the top off of a defense. And when you got all three of those guys on the field together, especially if Minnesota's corners have been struggling, that's a lot of size with two of those receivers. And obviously Tyler Lockett was not quite himself on Sunday coming back from a leg injury, but it sounds like they're expecting he's going to be around 100% for this next game. So a great opportunity for those guys against a Vikings defense if they have time to throw. That's really the key. Yeah, right. And of course, you know Seattle's going to try to run the football too because that's their MO. They want to be physical at the line of scrimmage. This is a Vikings defense, though, that is outstanding in pretty much every metric defending the run. So from my yeah, perspective... Can we talk about the run real quick? Because I, I yeah, am super absolutely. confused by the Seahawks because they seem to be pretty inefficient running and they seem pretty dead set on running and i'm aware of you know uh, uh, some of the more prominent seahawks guys that are kind of joking about this but like how big of an issue is it is it because the seahawks don't have the right running back is it because the offensive line is struggling as you know has been a problem in seattle for forever like how are the seahawks losing or is it a myth are they actually better than i think and it's just like a weird like play management thing I think this is still one of the better running games in the NFL. They, they've had some issues. Chris Carson's fumbled a bunch this year. That has been a problem, the ball security. Rashad Penny was pretty much, I mentioned this in an article today, he had an invisible cloak on like the last four weeks. It wasn't anywhere to be found. And then Sunday he explodes. The, the Eagles entered that game with the fourth best run defense in the league. And he went off for 129 rushing yards against them. 
And he's just a different kind of back than Carson. So I don't think it's an issue with the running backs they've got back there. There's been some inconsistency. Uh, I, Early in the year, I felt like they were relying a little too much on their zone runs. I think this is a team that is built to run traps and run power. I think that that's when they're at their best, running more stuff like that uh, with the offensive linemen that they've got up front. And I think as the year's gone on, they've gotten better. They've certainly had several games that they've ran the football well. Then there's times they've gotten stubborn when it's not working and it's like you've got Russell Wilson at quarterback. Let Russell Wilson win the game for you. And so it's been an up and down season compared to last year. Last year, after like week five, they were just dominating on the ground. But this is a team any given Sunday, or I guess you could say Monday night in this instance, can can go off. If everything's clicking, they've got the backs to do it. And, and certainly they've got an offensive line that's been uh, generated. It's been created to run the football. That's what they were setting their eyes on with that unit. So uh, I think it's a, a unit that they're definitely going to come out wanting to run the football in this game. But the question is, are they going to be able to? And and I'm a little bit skeptical that they're going to be able to do it as well as what they've done in some games. This is the second straight week. They've played a legitimate top five run defense. So they were able to find some success against Philadelphia. Are they going to be able to do the same thing against Minnesota? Now there's film out there from last week. Uh, I I just don't know, but I'm looking forward to talking about the Vikings run game here in a moment, but that's one of the best in the NFL. Dalvin Cook, what a bounce back season that he's had. We're going to cover that Vikings offense versus Seahawks defense. When we return in a moment, you're listening to Crossover Wednesday on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey guys, back in just one second, but first let me talk to you a little bit about my bookie. My bookie is the number one online sports book out there, and with good reason. They pay out immediately when you win, and their interface is really easy over at mybookie.ag. It's really easy to go navigate directly to the bet you want to make and go make it. And hey, you know, nothing adds a little bit of sweat to the game, like putting down some money on what you think is going to happen. It gives you a stake in a game you otherwise wouldn't care about, and that's really fun, especially here on another Sunday where the Vikings aren't going to play, and you might as well have something to root for all Sunday. So head on over to mybookie.ag, and hey, right now, if you go enter the promo code Locked On when you sign up, they will double your first deposit. That's a 100% match of free gambling money. So you put in $100, and they'll put in $100 for you. You'll have 200 bucks to bet with. So head on over to mybookie.ag right now, enter promo code Locked On, get that free money, and get gambling. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. Listening on the go, if you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and all the other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome back. We are talking on Crossover Wednesday here with Corbin Smith of Locked On Seahawks. I'm Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings. Uh, Now we're flipping the sides a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the Vikings offense versus the Seahawks defense. And uh, since you mentioned it going in, uh, let's talk a little bit about Dalvin Cook. He's running that classic zone run scheme. Uh, I guess the thing that, you know, the Seahawks don't really like to run. This is 
but as as classic as it gets, this is the Gary Kubiak, Arian Foster, shoot, go back to Terrell Davis style of run, uh, of course, with more modern wrinkles and stuff, lots of motion and things kind of worked in to help manipulate box counts. And then it's Dalvin Cook and his fleet footwork, uh, you know, trying to find explosive plays. Uh, they were really good early in the year at generating explosive plays. It's kind of dried up in the last few weeks. Uh, they were pretty good about it in, against Dallas, but they've found more explosive plays with Dalvin Cook with like swing passes and screens and stuff rather than just straight up runs. Um, so, I, you know, it's things these things kind of ebb and flow as the season goes on. So tell me about the Seahawks run defense. You know, who are you looking to to kind of be the hero when when you're going up against a, a Dalvin Cook sized run game? So Seattle's run defense has actually been much improved this year, um, but there's been a couple games that they had where they kind of <laughs> fell apart a little bit. Uh, Nick Chubb had great success against them when they played the Browns in week six. And then in Baltimore, of course, uh, Baltimore coming to Seattle, they had to deal with the Lamar Jackson experience, which really skews the rushing yardage totals. But you take those two games out of the equation the Seahawks run defense has been much better than last year and honestly he's back on your team but I felt like Shamar Stefan just didn't work out the one year in Seattle uh, I thought that he really struggled as a run no, defender and, quality player he always has been yeah and so moving on from him they brought in Al Woods a veteran free agent who honestly has been their best free agent addition he's been outstanding he filled in for Jaron Reed the first six weeks of the season while Reed was suspended played outstanding ball. He's actually given them a little bit as a pass rusher from the interior too, which I did not expect at all. He's always been a stout run defender, a big body guy, uh, but he's had a great year. Puna Ford is coming into his own. He was a little banged up early in the season, but those two guys in the interior, if Jaron Reed's able to come back healthy, he's dealing with an ankle sprain right now, but they like the interior players that they've got. The key here is Jadavian Clowney. If Clowney cannot play in this game, that really hurts their run defense because to me, that's the biggest strength in his game. He's really come on as a pass rusher as of late, but he is a, he's an elite run defender. He has been throughout his entire career and he racks up tackles for loss. He creates opportunities for other players by blowing up linemen across from him. He blows up double teams. So if they don't have Clowney in this game, it wasn't a concern against the Eagles because they're missing so many players on offense right now. Their lines ravaged by injuries. They're missing almost all the receivers. There just wasn't offense they had to be overly concerned about. The Vikings, though, they've got their offensive line pretty much intact. They've got a great running back. They've got a really good backup in Madison, too, a guy that I liked at Boise State. Yep. So One cut and they, go. Yeah, they've they've got some really good backs. They've got a good line. They've got the system in place with Kubiak helping with that uh, zone run offense. So I feel like this is a game, if they don't have Clowney, that's going to be a really, really big loss. It's going to hurt a lot more, mainly in the run defense compartment, uh, because they've just been so good with him in the lineup this year. And I have a feeling if he's not able to play, the Vikings are going to be able to find traction with that ground game. If he can go, which it sounds like he's planning to give it a go and play, and he's able to play at his normal level, that's certainly going to be able to help them trying to slow down that run offense and force Kirk Cousins to beat you with his arm. But Cousins has been able to do that this year. What what has been the big difference from last year to this it's year? Wild. Is it just a, com just a comfort level or more play action? There's some, or what? There's some of that, right? You're in. Well, I mean, but it's a different offense. I mean, he was running in the John Filippo offense for most of 2018. Uh, he's running a completely different scheme, a, a completely different principles. He went from an Andy Reid West Coasty kind of thing to the Shanahan rollout play action deal. 
Uh, and, and that's kind of what we're running now with, of course, Gary Kubiak in. And that's a huge part of it. And that's where, uh, you know, Cousins was most successful. Last time he had that, it was Sean McVay running that kind of scheme and Jake Rudin back in Washington. So and that, that was, you know, 2015, 2016, his best years. So that is uh, like part of it. But the other part is that I think he's playing a lot more comfortably. Um, it, it's a lot, uh, a lot more of like going through his progressions and a lot less panicking. Um, the line's been a little better. They haven't been perfect. They've been, I think, kind of an average pass protection unit. Um, but that's a lot better than what they had last year. And so that's helping some. Uh, and, and, you know, of course, Diggs and Thielen are still big, uh, big proponents, big, big helps. Having Irv Smith has been something, you know, having a second tight end that can go be like a major route runner. Last year, they had David Morgan, who's been on IR all year, but he was more of a run blocker anyways. So having him in the formation, you know, you couldn't really run some of those like long, deep crossing routes just because he was a little too slow. Irv Smith doesn't have that problem and he's been helpful. Um, And, you know, Kyle Rudolph is consistent as always, though he's not much of a deep threat, not much of an athletic threat. Uh, at least not at this stage in his career. So he's, he's got the weapons, he's got the protection around him, and he's able to play in rhythm. He's able to kind of sit back and make the throws he always can make, and it's just a matter of if he decides to. And this year he's deciding to. So I guess what kind of... I guess my first question about the Seahawks defense is how are you guys against play action? Are you are, are the, the linebackers you know, reading those play action fakes well? Are they biting a lot on it? Do they give up all that space kind of behind the linebackers when they get sucked up through the play action? Uh, or is this a more disciplined unit that's going to play the pass first? So I think it's been a tale of two seasons, really. And I don't even know necessarily that play action was a huge problem early in the season. They had a lot of issues with really short, quick routes and, and, you know, allowing offenses to just roll down the field with the short passing game. They were making such a priority for eliminating explosives that they were giving too much cushion. And for example, the season opener, the Cincinnati Bengals, who still have not won a game, nearly won in a century link and won that game in large part because they had a couple of, there was a couple of botched coverages in the deep half of the secondary. Tedrick Thompson was playing free safety and they have upgraded at that position now with Quandre Diggs. And so I look at what they've been doing the last few weeks. This pass defense just looks totally different in general, whether it's against play action or just general dropbacks. Quandre Diggs has just given confidence to the rest of their defense. And Vikings fans should be familiar with Diggs from his time with the Detroit Lions. Mm -hmm. I think he's in the perfect spot for himself now. He's a guy that's played some slot corner. He's played strong safety. But I love the range that he's displaying at free safety. They had a huge loss having Earl Thomas go to Baltimore and they went in with a couple different guys competing there and none of them really jumped out of that position trading for Diggs they just had to give up a fifth round pick for him I don't know what the Lions were thinking there uh, but <laughs> it looks to me like he's a much better player than getting I'm a not gonna complain pick. about it yeah as an NFC North fan uh, any team in that division you should be happy he's out of the division but uh, certainly he's been a really nice addition for them in that back half and it's made the entire rest of the secondary step up really the whole defense having a better free safety back there has helped create more opportunities for the pass rush, which has really come to life as of late. Uh, Clowney a couple weeks ago absolutely dominated the 49ers. That was one of the best single-player uh, performances yeah, that, that I have incredible. ever seen. It was, it was remarkable. Uh, 11 quarterback pressures in that game alone by himself. Uh, they started playing Shaquem Griffin off the edge, and he's been sensational the first two games that he's gotten snaps. Uh, just a totally different style player in pass, uh, passing downs. 
And then they've gotten some good production the last week or two from Ziggy Anza. He's finally starting to play like he's capable of. Uh, Rasheem Green's looking pretty good. So really the defense as a whole the last two weeks has looked totally different than they did early in the year. I think some personnel changes like bringing in Diggs certainly helped there. Also getting guys like Ziggy Anza more healthy uh, has helped as well. And then mixing and matching some guys in situations like Shaquem Griffin. He's not going to play every down defensive end at his size, but as a situational rusher, his speed, sub 4-4 speed, uh, tackles don't want anything to do with that, especially if he continues to add counter moves to his game. That's a guy you don't want to have to try to block on third and 14 because he's going to find his way into the backfield, especially with his motor. So I, I look at this team, as far as play action defense goes, I think they've been pretty solid. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm speaking from watching film, but uh, they've got a very good linebacking group that's experienced. They're savvy with Michael Kendricks, Bobby Wagner, and K.J. Wright. Uh, they've got a secondary that's improved a lot, and the pass rush has found life. So I think the Seahawks have gotten their defense figured out, and the offense has kind of sputtered the last couple weeks. They just can't put everything together, and yet they're 9-2. and two. Yeah. So I guess, I, well, I was going to ask, uh, you know, besides Jadeveon Clowney, you talked a bunch about him in terms of the run. I'm sure the same things kind of apply in the pass. Uh, but, you know, outside of the Vikings have actually had really good seasons from their tackles. Uh, you know, not, of course, uh, blameless for some of the some of the issues in terms of protection, but they've had reasonable years. Brian O'Neill's been playing fine. Riley Reef has been playing fine. They've been holding up against pretty stiff competition. Um, but I guess the interior has been really where the, the the problematic pressures have come. Specifically, Garrett Bradbury, who had an abysmal start to the year. He's kind of cleaned things up as he gets used to the NFL speed. But Pat Elfline's been kind of an issue, too. Uh, so in terms of interior rush, like if you were Pete Carroll, how, how would you go about attacking them? And then we can kind of get into predictions, get out of this thing. Uh, let's restate that for a second. How, how would the Seahawks do? How would you attack uh, struggling center and left guard? So I don't know that there's necessarily any way that I, I think they're just going to go with their four. Maybe they'll do a little bit of interior blitzing. But like I mentioned earlier, they really like the defensive tackles that they've got. Puna Ford is a nightmare to try to deal with because he's short and squatty. And so he always wins the low man battle and he's really quick. He's, he's a really good penetrating defensive tackle. And then the other spot, Al Woods. 330 plus pounder that commands double teams overpowers people a really stout run defender so I don't think this is going to be rocket science for them in, in terms of how they're going to try to stop the run and take advantage of those guys in the interior uh, maybe Just with having everybody a off center. the coverage let your four do the work yeah they might mix in a few blitzes for Bobby Wagner up the middle because he's so darn good at it but uh, especially with a rookie center, that would make some sense. But generally what I've seen the last couple games, they haven't had to rely on the blitz as much as they were early in the year. And I would anticipate in this game, they're going to be doing a lot of that as well, especially with concerns about dump offs to running backs, screens, uh, having two tight ends that are capable receivers. They like to play their base defense with three linebackers out there. I, I just have a feeling they're not going to be overly aggressive. Not that they're not going to blitz because they will blitz some, but I just don't think that's going to be a big part of their game plan to try to slow down. Maybe they do that a little bit in, in passing situations to really mess with the rookie center and some of the guys in the interior communication wise. Uh, but their front four is playing really well right now. And I feel like the Seahawks are going to be comfortable in this game, rushing with four for the most part and defending with four guys up front, let their linebackers scrape and hit gaps and bring down running backs that way. So I don't think there's going to be anything super fancy in that regard. So uh, I think right now, 
uh, astoundingly, I don't agree with this at all. The Vikings are three-point favorites headed into this game. Uh, I, I might be wrong about that. The line might have moved because that's kind of wild to me. Uh, I don't think they can cover. I usually won't won't pick them in, in a game like this against a playoff team on the road in prime time and all that stuff. I wouldn't pick them uh, to win outright. If I, if I didn't have a personal rule about betting against the Vikings, I'd probably take the Seahawks money line here. But what do you guys think? So I don't, I'm not a betting man, so I never usually go against the spread. I just go by straight up scores. I, I anticipate this is going to be a barn burner. Uh, kind of like last year in the extent it's going to be low scoring. I expect there's going to be a few turnovers, physical defense. Both teams are going to run the football. I think the Seahawks are going to be able to find a way at the end to be able to win this one in the closing seconds. I think it's going to be that kind of a football game, back and forth affair. Both teams are going to get a few touchdowns. A couple field goals going to be 17-17. And then I think Jason Myers continuing his second half redemption tour really stunk the first half of the season, but he won the game against the 49ers. I think he's going to redeem himself at home where he's actually struggled more kicking at CenturyLink than in road games. I've got him making a field goal at the end to give the Seahawks their 10th victory, a very tightly contested matchup between two teams that I wouldn't be surprised if they see each other again in January. All right. Thank you so much for hanging out here on Crossover Wednesday, Locked on Vikings and Locked on Seahawks, previewing the Monday night football game between our two teams. Thanks for hanging out. Sounds good, man. It was fun. Thank you guys so much for listening to Crossover Wednesday here on Locked on Vikings. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts or simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with a more in-depth preview of the Seattle Seahawks. Until then, as always, Skull. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.